You are listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom. Soul Searching is a journey where I engage with faith leaders and academics to explore deep questions of meaning. Questions that all of us ask at some point in our lives, such as, why are we here? What is right and wrong? Is there good and evil? Is truth relative or absolute? Is there life after death? And to help us in our journey this evening, we're very honoured to be joined by Reverend Lynn Nowicki from the Santa Fe Centre for Spiritual Living. Reverend Lynn, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. So the Santa Fe Centre for Spiritual Living isn't like a traditional place of worship, like a church or a synagogue, is it? Well, we used to call ourselves a church, but then we moved to the idea of centre as being more inclusive, more willing to um, allow folks who might be uncomfortable with a church situation to feel like they could be supported in our center. So what is it that differentiates between what you do? Because because it can't just be a name, is it? it, no. it there, there's a way of being that is yeah. different. So, so what is yeah. different in your center to a, a, a more traditional place of worship? Yeah, well, we don't even call ourselves a religion. We think right. of ourselves more as a philosophy. And along with that philosophy are various tools that we teach to get more in touch with whether that philosophy works for an individual or not. So, for instance, our Sunday service is more of a celebration than what you might call worship, a time of connecting with each other, a time of learning, a time of deepening, uh, music, meditation, various ways of of opening ourselves up and lifting ourselves up. See, but can't celebration and connection and meditation, I mean, can't that just be worship itself? Oh, sure. What's the yes. difference? Um, Sunday, probably not so much different. How we practice what we teach can be very different than most of what we think of as traditional religions. Uh, we don't think of ourselves as... Um, needing to be saved. We think of ourselves as being one with the oneness that God is, uh, though our egos can very work very hard at, at t- talking us into being separate from each other. So, um, so, yeah, the practices and the tools are different than you would find in most traditional religious settings. So I'm intrigued by the fact that you have a Sunday service. Mm-hmm. Why, why a Sunday service? Um, well, the roots of our philosophy are based in Christian churches. Uh, the founder of our movement, Dr. Ernest Holmes, was a Christian before he deepened it and widened it into, into the explorations he took it down. So... Um, and his first model was not, not a Sunday service at all. He gave lectures, ah. and he trained practitioners to be uh, the healing arm of his, of his movement, uh, working with individuals toward personal healing. Uh, and it was only under the pressure of the folks around him that he said, well, I think this needs to be a church. And it developed into more of a, of a model church from there. That's fascinating because of that um, innate need that some people have, mm-hmm. not just for self-help, essentially, but for 
for for an awareness of something greater than ourselves or, or, yes. or bringing out that which is within ourselves and doing that in community. Yes, and the connection with each other when you're in a room full of folks that are on the same path, that's powerful. That's a way to deepen everything that you just said. Yes. And, and you use God language. So let's explore that. Um, one of the perspectives of your community that I saw is that God is in every human being, and you, and you mm-hmm. alluded to that, and also in all of creation, So, uh, and which also I saw meant also being much more than the sum of creation. Yeah. So, yeah. so what, what does that mean? How, how do we understand that? Because some creation seems benevolent and some seems not benevolent at all. So, okay. so where is mm-hmm. God? What does that mean for you? Um, if you go back to the idea of God as one, great big capital O, one, which you'll see in, for instance, many of the Eastern traditions, and you see it in Christianity. Jesus said, the Father and I are one, and we believe he was speaking as a human being, saying this is what humans are, as opposed to I'm special, I'm different. Uh, He was special and different in that he was so much more aware of that oneness than your average person ever manages to be. But um, And then we run into the paradox of the oneness expressing itself as the many. Uh, You know, here Mm -hmm. we are walking around in individual bodies and feeling very separate from each other, which is understandable. I mean, we're walking around in a skin. The person next to us is separate and we bump. But there is also that one energy, that one intelligence that's powering all of it, that's inside all of it. See, um, when, you, I, when you're talking, I, it makes me think uh, biblically Mm-hmm. As I would as a rabbi, uh, it makes me think biblically of the lack of um, individual that there were sort of heroes almost, but the rest of the community there was communal reward and punishment. Mm-hmm. And in modern times, we moved away from that into the self, into I, uh, and the own personal relationship with God or or, or, mm-hmm. or or whatever it is we're having a relationship with. Are you saying almost closer to the biblical model of? The self is not necessarily an illusion, but is, but there's more to us than the self. Yeah, yeah. And also that uh, when I say that God is in us or as us or is us but is more than us, um, certainly more than our idea of ourselves, this little ego package that walks around thinking that uh, it's me versus the rest of the world. Um, But that oneness, if we can get in touch with it, um, and here's where language fails, because language Mm. in itself is about the separation. It's black and white. It's either or. So even trying to talk about the oneness starts sounding like I'm here and the oneness is this other thing. Uh, And that's going to continue to be a difficulty with language. We see it with the mystics in every tradition. They... They had this transcendent experience, and then they came back into community and tried to talk about it. And they might manage it with metaphor, but the words are always going to fall short. But the words are going to sound like love and light and uh, wind and uh, all of those metaphors for something bigger than they can talk about. 
But then this naturally brings us to the question of theodicy, of um, of evil. So, you know, to ask a very direct, stark question, if mm-hmm. God is in everything or, or if God not is not you weren't saying is in everything, but everything is part of the oneness, which mm-hmm. which is, you know, uh, somehow explained with God or, or mm-hmm. understood as God, does that mean something dreadful like cancer is God? Okay, well, perhaps it's only dreadful in the way that we judge it in the moment. Um, if God is all energy, then the energy that went into that particular thing going on in a body uh, isn't differentiated. Uh, we judge it as bad and want to get rid of it. But you'll notice, for instance, if you're suffering a symptom of something, that symptom can be a gift because it can be the signal that there's something I need to pay attention to that I would not have seen had that symptom not arisen and said, hey, look over here, do something about this. So perhaps the cancer itself is a symptom of an inner spiritual mental, emotional healing that I need to work on to that, that has been manifested outward into something that my body is doing, saying, hey, wake up. Something needs to happen here. So I, I need to clarify because there's two possible paths for what you mean. Mm-hmm. Are you saying um, – well, well, I, I hear two possible paths. Mm-hmm. Tell me which one it, you're, you're focusing on. One path here is that the – um, illness like a cancer is something that is a response to that which is within or in other words the cancer is caused by mm-hmm. something that needs addressing in ourselves thereby attaching blame personal blame to the person who has cancer or the second way of looking at it is no this is when we have something so like cancer it is a means by which we can address something, so mm-hmm. which doesn't assign blame, but means that the cancer is a tool, not a symptom. But it sounded like you were mm-hmm. saying the first. Well, and blame is another human judgment. Go on. Uh, if we have, um, you know, if I tell myself I'm a terrible person because I made a mistake, that's blame. But if I say, oops, I made a mistake, I need to address that and, and change direction, uh, that is a signal to, to change my patterns, to change my relationship to myself and the world around me. Uh, blame is the tendency that we go to, but taking it there doesn't necessarily do us any favors at all. We, but we experience illnesses. I mean, theodicy mm-hmm. is is always that really difficult point for mm-hmm. faith traditions and and mm-hmm. for um, processes of thought. When you take a child who hasn't made any decisions in the world and they mm-hmm. suffer a disease that we would normally call a terrible disease, before they 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 can't even align themselves. What what happens there? Good question. (laughs) And some of a discussion like this is uh, when we start going into what happened to that person over there, I can't know that person. I can know myself. When I'm dealing with something in my own life, I can say, what 
what about me needs to deal with this? Uh, we answer, look at the bigger questions and try and solve them. And I'm not sure how useful it can be. But isn't, to, but isn't if, all, if we are all part of mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. isn't every question a bigger question? Of course. <laughs> and there's one of those paradoxes right. again. Because, yes. because what, what I, I'm really interested by this perspective, by this life perspective, mm-hmm. because what this is asking us to do, I think, or, or I hear what mm-hmm. this is asking us to do is to say, I don't understand the greater mystery of being. Yeah. But then if, but then what does that mean if we're using God language in any way? Mm-hmm. If we're saying that God is in the cancer or in the terminal brain disease or, or of the child, you know, the mm-hmm. person who so obviously pushes the boundaries. In, in biblical thought, we can turn to adults and say, you committed a sin, therefore you get mm-hmm. punished by, uh, by a sort of patriarchal deity who looks mm-hmm. down as a father and says, you have done wrong, I will punish you. But when you have a question of, of greater being, why would I want to be – why would I want to address – I mean, since you called it a greater intelligence, mm-hmm. why would I want a relationship with an intelligence that does that to people who seemingly have, have done nothing wrong? And, 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 I, and, and if I turn around and say I can only address me and what I can change, what do I do with the other person who suffers? Mm. Treat them with compassion for starters. Um, but if we okay if we go to that can't possibly be god that is evil then we don't have oneness anymore right then we're in duality we also don't have any tools for dealing with this other mm. other than to um to shun it to uh fear it what we're aiming at is, as you said, the I don't understand. Right. And what good is outpicturing out of this? Or um, what can I do about it? And don't try and solve that question with intellectual machinations, but, but allow for a deeper wisdom to come through and say, this is what you can do in this moment for that person who is suffering. That's a, thank you for that answer. Let's take a pause and, and really reflect on that. We're going to take a break. Uh, you're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil and my guest, uh, Reverend Lynn Nowicki from the Santa Fe Center for Spiritual Living. And we'll be back after this break. You're back listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and my guest this evening, Reverend Lynn Nowicki from the Santa Fe Center for Spiritual Living. And we've really got right into it (laughs) um, with with some extraordinary questions of God. Let's talk not necessarily about about God's being, but the response, which um, you you mentioned about uh, celebration and connection, meditation and, and, and the fact that you have a service. I read your community describes prayer as spiritual mind treatment, Um, not a supplication to someone outside ourselves, but more a conversation with our own consciousness to adjust our thoughts, words and beliefs out of old patterns and into alignment with the truth of God's good. There's a lot there. (laughs) So that that relies on us having an appropriate inner voice. Mm hmm. 
can we trust our own inner voice? Because, you know, I as I passed into my 40s and I realized a lot of my inner voice was baggage that I brought with me from mm-hmm. earlier years that actually had been a very negative inner mm-hmm. voice. Mm-hmm. And, and so what do we do with the fact that that we have to trust our inner voice? Or, or is it not trusting our inner voice? Well, it's a matter of discernment as to which sounds which sounds truer, this fear, this lack, this I'm not enough that I've been running my life with, or this new idea that I want to implant of a God that's good, that's abundant, that's loving, that... Um, that is absolutely accepting all of who I am, even though I want to change some of the aspects of myself to better fit the picture that I want to be in the world. Um, I would say that, well, when we, when we recommend meditation as a tool, a lot of that is just about, about getting quiet enough to listen to all the chatter that's going on. Mm. A person who has never meditated probably doesn't realize how much thinking they're doing. Mm. And uh, when they first start and hear all these thoughts, it can kind of freak them out because there's just so much, as you say, baggage. And But becoming aware of that and saying, I want to replace that negativity with something that's more in alignment with love, with positive energy, with, with abundant good, with gratitude, uh, there's where we discover the work is. And when we talk about spiritual mind treatment, it is a form of prayer. Not all prayer is ah. spiritual mind treatment. Ah, that, okay. that supplicating prayer of, God, I need help, mm-hmm. that's a real prayer. It's not spiritual mind treatment. Spiritual mind treatment is a, is a fairly structured, or that's how we teach it as a, with training wheels on it, uh, a form of, um, I'd almost say it's a logical argument with ourselves saying, if God is all there is, Mm -hmm. then I must be in that because there is nothing outside it. And if that's true, then when I speak my word, that word is causative. That word Ah. is the cause of a manifest effect. And I can trust the process of my speaking my word so I can be grateful that it's happening. Mm-hmm. Gratitude is the fourth step of this five-step thing. And then in that feeling of gratitude, I let it go, and I stop trying to hold on to it and manage it and make it happen and give it up for God to let it work. That's, that's our spiritual mind treatment. There are a couple of times when you've spoken about God you know, you mentioned loving, great intelligence, accepting. Is God, see, when when you first started, I thought you were saying more like, um, in, from my tradition, Spinoza's pantheism, mm-hmm. not God as supernatural other. But, mm-hmm. but then you're using words sometimes that do suggest a, a being to God to be addressed to. So how does that work with prayer 
And once again, that's that language of dualism inserting itself because we're human beings trying to have a conversation. Uh, One of my teachers in ministerial school labeled us panentheists. God in everything and transcendent, imminent and transcendent at the same time. That's back into that paradox. So that's why I say it's, it's... it is who we are, and it's so much bigger than that. Um, and then every name that we give it is bigger than any name we give it, right. because any name puts it in a box. And that energy might say, sure, I will be in that box for you if that works, and I'm so much more. See, wh- one of those boxes that you mentioned was loving. Mm-hmm. And... When we, this is a, an interesting perspective that I often ask of guests because mm-hmm. um, often God is described as loving. And I look at the natural world and see how things are created and then are destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, that everything is transitory, sometimes with accompanying pain, mm-hmm. uh, often with accompanying pain. Um, that in order for some or most species to live, they have to, in some sense, prey off another species. Mm-hmm. Um, it suggests that God isn't loving. <laughs> it suggests that actually that there is destruction. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the the from, coming from an astrophysics background, the second law of thermodynamics that says that everything mm-hmm. breaks down. Mm-hmm. Uh, love seems to build up, and is it is it wrong that looking at the world, everything seems to break down? Or is that only looking at half the picture? That's that's looking at the physical world, certainly. Right. If you're taking this idea of infinite intelligence, infinite mind as being um, eternal, mm-hmm. uh, then yes, it is moving through these different manifestations of life and death and life again. But the bigness of it, the the eternality of it doesn't die. These cycles are going on, but uh, Ram Dass said death is perfectly safe. Um, It's just another step in a dance that we're doing. So let me me push on this then. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, again, as we often do in this show, to go to try to push to the boundaries to see mm-hmm. a suicidal person uh, approaches a member of your community and says, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, I'm, you know, I'm seriously considering, mm-hmm. you know, this very difficult decision. How, you know, th- is there any temptation to stop them? Um, legally, we're supposed to try. <laughs> we're supposed to report it. Um I asked that question specifically yes. because mm-hmm. because what you're talking about is a very interesting, different theological mm-hmm. perspective to one I've encountered before, mm-hmm. which is almost it's not the irrelevance of death, but um, but if we are all part of the all, the almost the insignificance of life and death, while also simultaneously being fully significant. Yes. How how do we how do we hold that? Well, once again, if we have this suicidal person sitting in front of me, what I'm probably going to, I'm first going to express my compassion. I'm going to express my willingness to not be afraid of the topic, mm-hmm. to not shun them for having an idea that I would not have for myself. 
but open up the open up the door to more possibilities than that person who is suicidal is probably looking at this particular moment in their life as this tunnel with no way out, with no other solution than off the planet. And one of my jobs is to say there are always other possibilities. We're only seeing down one little tunnel, but what if we opened the doorway wider? So if we are part of one, then the one could be greater by their continued presence. Mm-hmm. And life can be right, good. It right. doesn't have to be this this terrible dead-end suffering that that person seems trapped in at the moment. No, I, I really appreciate that because that's definitely a boundary question. But I, mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying now in, in terms of that greater inclusion into the great greater mm-hmm. element of being, I think. Mm-hmm. So with, with only, we've only got three minutes left, oh. I'm afraid. Um, the science of mind, can you give a, a very brief synopsis? Because that's definitely part of your community's thought yes. process. C- can you explain? Yes. I, I think that would be an appropriate way to. Yes, that, to that was the label that Ernest Holmes gave his philosophy. That's the title of his great big book that we consider our textbook. Um, he called it a science because he was enamored of the idea of the scientific method. Mm. You get an idea. You wonder if it's true. You do experiments to see if you get the results you expect. And he was inviting us all to experiment with this philosophy to see if it fit, to see if we got results that felt good, that felt right, that felt grounding. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's where the title Science of Mind came from, and that's, that's what we're playing with within our our teaching within our experiential use of this of this stuff so it it this comes back to something you said at the very beginning specifically not creedal mhm so then is your community defined by the method more than defined by the results or how does that work yeah well um i say that our only creed is god is all there is and it's done unto you as you believe. Those, those are the two things, the two legs of what I teach from. What, what does that second one mean? It's done unto you as you believe. It means that thought is creative, thought is cause, and the experience that evolves from that, including the material world, is, is effect. So if I believe the world is a terrible place— right. It's going to show up pretty terrible. If I believe I'm loved and safe and whole, the universe is going to feed me experiences that, that confirm that for me. Hmm. So, so that's what we're working with. And so essentially this is perspective. This is, this is positively viewing the world mm-hmm. in order to bring in more love. And not my cynical perspective of everything is destroyed, <laughs> and and therefore, what's the point? Yes, without trying to be Pollyanna, like, oh, right. it's okay. Of course, you're suffering, but right. you're fine. Right. No, we don't do that. We right. stay in compassion. But it is possible to have a positive, loving, prosperous life. Well, look, this has been 
just wonderful. This has been so interesting for me. This is a very interesting perspective on a different perspective for me on 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 how to view the world and how to view each other. So, so thank you to Reverend Lynn Nowicki from the Santa Fe Center for Spiritual Living. Thank you for your really profound answers to today's thank questions. Thank you. This has been such a pleasure. I do hope you'll return. Um, I, we have many more shows, and I do hope that you'll come and join us again. I would love to. Thank you. You've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks' time, keep searching. Keep searching.